0: hi there, and welcome to my podcast, Listen with Cheryl McKay. I've been hearing from so many of you. Thanks so much to everyone who's taken the time to write. And a lot of you are asking about this music, the theme music that opens and closes this podcast, gorgeous guitar music. It's the music of Adam Dobres. He's a guitarist and a composer. He's been touring for at least 20 years now, toured all around the world with the Waylon Jennys and Tony Childs. Dustin Bentall, Ruth Moody, more recently he's teamed up with Pierre Schreier who plays fiddle and they have a recording called Mandorla and they've received nominations for Juno Awards and Canadian Folk Music Awards. Adam Dobre's latest recording is called Kin, his solo recording. I had played a lot of Adams' music on CBC when I was hosting the show there, and when I began to think of who I would love to have compose a theme for this, for this podcast, who really. Whose tone I absolutely loved. Well, I thought of Adam and I asked him if he'd consider doing it, and he would, and he did. Even though he was traveling and was in Australia at the time, he sat down in a the studio there and composed that piece and another piece too that I haven't actually used yet. It's a, a mellower piece and it will be perfect for, for sometimes when a, a little break like that is needed. And I'll, I'll give you a sample of that at the end of this conversation. It's really interesting. When I was talking to Adam, who grew up in Victoria and studied music there, he talked about Daniel Lapp. And Daniel Lapp, of course, plays fiddle and trumpet. And he's a wonderful leader of all kinds of bands and groups and a teacher. And Adam talks about him as being kind of one of the hubs of this whole amazing musical network that is based in Victoria and stretches out, well, around the world, really. So you might want to have something to make a few notes as Adam goes through this wonderful, I guess, kind of genealogy of musicians. I started my conversation with Adam Dobres by asking him about having music commissioned, about starting out with a request from a person like me to create a piece of music for a particular use. And he talked about how, you know, there's all kinds of different ways it occurs. And this is one.
1: It kind of drops in. And it's, I've had that for a few times. And it's funny that that happens when I get asked to compose for someone like yourself or some family in New Zealand who had their 25th wedding anniversary, the silver anniversary. I picked up my guitar and I just started playing and then that was a piece. It kind of came instantly with a few tweaks, right? And that happened with yours too. I sat down, I was just imagining, you know, the feeling of people tuning in and listening and I just started doodling it. I thought I was going to be doodling for a while, but then I went back and listened. I'm like, I actually liked that first idea. So I sort of continued with that and then it grew from there. And then once I'm finished, I take some time to sleep on it and then I tweak, I guess I call it the perfectionist part of myself, which can be a blessing and a curse, but it's going in there and sort of feeling like there's something that doesn't feel quite right about this little part to me, find out what it is and say, okay, that feels better. And I keep on doing that. And that can be a never ending until the cows don't come home or whatever. But I have to stop myself in that process. But then usually that's how it sort of finishes.
0: What you did, and I've used other of your music, of course, on the yeah. radio and as various themes. There's such a feeling to it, I guess, is what oh. I'm trying to say. Yeah.
1: Well, that's very nice. I think a lot of it, too, is being instrumental. I found, um, when I finally figured I wanted to do my own music, like I've been mm-hmm. a backup player for a lot of people, I thought, you know, I want to do my own my own music. Like, What is that? And it was actually... My wife, she always has good ideas. Elf. She said, you should do some solo guitar. And I thought, oh, God, who, would want, who wants to listen to just guitar? You know? <laughs> like, that's, that's how, how interesting is that? You know, and, uh, and then the funny is synchronicity happens and we were living on Salt Spring and she came back home and said, you wouldn't believe it. I heard this music in a cafe and it was just guitar and it was the most beautiful thing. You know, it captivated me and it was just guitar. And I thought, really? And she ordered the CD from me. It was Franco Marone. He's an Italian guitarist. Uh And she ordered the CD and I listened to it. And it was the most beautiful playing I've heard on solo guitar. And literally, I just sat there and listened to just a guitar for an hour. And I thought I loved every minute of it. And it can be interesting. So that's when I took on the challenge of trying to write, you know, writing solo guitar. And I had to learn how to play solo guitar through the process of writing it. Oh. Yeah. So what it was is I didn't know what, like, how do I write solo guitar? I have no idea. So that's when it came down to me just sitting on the couch recording myself and what happened is I had ideas when, in the very early part of it. But the ideas that I was coming up with, I could sort of see where they were going, but I didn't know how to physically do it yet. It was too complicated for me. So I mean had just to just physically
0: as in yeah, playing like it? it? Was, oh, okay. Yeah,
1: because I thought, oh, I like this idea, but I want to add a bass line at the same time. And I hear this sort of chord above, I'm like, that's hard. So, I'm like, so I had to really challenge myself, and I kicked, kind of kicked and screamed through it until I was able to actually learn how to play guitar differently by composing. It made me... I'm going on a tangent here, but I'll come back to it about the emotional part. But it, it sort of made me realize the amount I challenge myself is the same amount that I'll grow. And I've been trying to really make that a motto or a maxim. Yeah, something to follow by, in, in, at least in my music, is that if I'm feeling stuck, it's time to challenge myself again. And then I know I'll, I'll open a new door, I'll grow from that. The process from when I was first learning how to, like, what, what does writing a melody even do, is that I realized after a while, oh, I'm just, I'm doing what feels good to me. And that's what I'm attracted to. So if I'm, playing around with melodies and they're probably inspired by my celtic influence playing many years of celtic music right and there's just certain melodies that you know strike a chord in your heart or make you feel a certain way and that's what i was attracted to growing the songs from so i think in the end it just ended up being an emotional transmission i don't know what the right word is
0: i find it interesting that you persevered like you say you had to sort of teach yourself how to play the guitar in a in a well in a whole different way can you explain a bit more about that
1: I don't know if a lot of artists have this issue, but I was getting a little bit envious because I would hear other artists saying, oh, I can't wait to get home and write and play music. And for me, it was like this, I don't know why, it was like this struggle say, okay, I'm going to sit down and just try to play it. Because I think it felt daunting to me. Like when I was thinking about recording an album, I thought, oh my God, like 45 minutes of, I've got three seconds worth. Like how am I possibly (laughs) going to have 45 minutes? And that was very daunting. And I just had, I had a friend that was reminding me, just don't think about the future, just (laughs) be present and just, take one one step at a time and I actually a a quote that I live by as well is take the next illuminated step Hmm. and I really love that because it's instead of looking at this big daunting picture just look at the next little step in front of you that seems like it's illuminated to you and you just take a baby step and you keep on doing that and it you know it leads to more and that was what it was like learning sort of how to play fingerstyle guitar was it it was daunting but I thought I'm just going to take this one bar and 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 when I would take it and i would finally learn it i'd feel empowered by it i'm like okay i that felt impossible and now i accomplished that so it's time to move on (laughs) to the next impossible thing and just kind of yeah so it was a process of struggle and avoidance and then each time being a little bit more inspired that okay i know i can do this the next time it comes around when it's challenging even though it might have been a minuscule step even seven years later it's still when i think about picking up the guitar and playing if I thought about doing another album, I'd be like, "Ooh, okay, another album." Like, where, you know? But I'm, I'm getting better at just relaxing and just and working on the pieces as they come.
0: <laughs> Adam, what were you doing with it before? You were playing in bands, right?
1: So out of college, which was Malaspina School in Nanaimo, I did a year of jazz. I was about to go back for a second year. I'm sure you know Oliver Swain very well. That name, yes. Yes, and he. Um, so I knew him a little bit. Like we had played with Tanya Elizabeth. We played a few shows, and I should backtrack a bit. Before that, I um, actually started with Daniel Lapp and the Fiddle Orchestra back in 1995. I met a good friend of mine, Adrian Dolan, I'm sure you know as well, yes. from the Bills and from various other groups. And uh, I met Adrian when we were 11 years old, and he was probably the first person I really played music with. No and kidding. And we still play music with each other <laughs> this many years and, later.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah, well,
1: the story is, I hope he hears this, <laughs> the story is I was at a surprise birthday party. I a mutual friend, but we hadn't met yet. And I was, we were 11 years old. I was 12, actually. And I I just heard this amazing classical piano playing from the other room. I was like, what is that? You know, when you're younger, things hit you so much harder sometimes. And I went to this room and there's a little 11-year-old Adrian. Who is this amazing kid here playing? His fingers were just flying over the keys. And then that's when our friendship started. (laughs) And we started a little (gasps) folk folk band, you know, called Farago. And we had some different people playing in that group. Yvonne Hernandez played in that group for a while, if you remember her. The Fiddler, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is way back. This is the sort of, funny connection you know that we had like daniel Lapp has definitely been almost like a bright light in the star amongst all these musicians with connecting people all the serendipitous connections in my life have happened through daniel most of the time and yeah. his enthusiasm
0: oh, is is oh, infectious yeah
1: it is like the amazing thing is back in that fiddle orchestra there was adrian dragged me along to there right and i was playing guitar really shyly in the corner and it was adrian dolan it was tanya elizabeth who plays with the avid brothers now and it was Yvonne Hernandez, who's doing amazing. Tyler Carson, Kendall Carson, who plays with Alan Doyle. It was like a power group, right? What a ago. bunch. Oh, it was incredible, right? And I didn't realize it at the time until now, I'm like, what a special bunch of kids that was, right? And so, of course, I went, as being one of the only guitarists at that age really doing that, I ended up playing with each one of those guys at gigs. We had a group with Tanya Elizabeth and Adrian called Seven Carat Fiddle, and it was, we were 14 years old, I think, playing weekly at Darcy's Pub in Victoria. We had our, our little rock group with Farago, and then... uh out of college when i was about to go for that second year oliver swain contacted me and said hey i'm in this group called scrooge mcduck the band's ended now and but there's some gigs in louisiana that we still want to do with half of the band would you want to come and play with them and i thought oh my gosh Louisiana! <laughs> like i hadn't i haven't really traveled out of canada much at that point for music at all and and um so i decided to not go back to college and to take on this tour and that's where I met Ruth Moody. That was my eye-opening experience to how music and the surroundings really tie together. Like,
0: What do you mean?
1: So we drove down, we get there, and it, I'd never been to anywhere like this. And It was swamps, you know, and humid, hot temperature. And we pulled straight, literally pulled straight into a place called Whiskey River Pub, I think it was called. And we stopped out and went in there and there was a Cajun band playing and Cajun dancing and crawfish you know, feast where they're pouring like hundreds of crawfish on the table with all the potatoes and everyone's ripping the heads off eating crawfish while the wow. Cajun band plays. Looked outside, I saw the swamp, I heard the music, I saw the people dancing, I saw the food and it kind of clicked, you know, it's like language. I'm like, look at how music just weaves into the everything perfectly. It wasn't separate. Right. That was like the aha moment for me in the way of how amazing music was, you know, and how it ties in with different cultures and groups of people around the world, Later that happened to me when I went to Ireland and Scotland with Daniel Lapp for the first time. That was the same kind of experience where I heard a Celtic flute player from Ireland and I could, see the, I could see the hills. And just to see how the music was really tying into people's accents even. You start hearing their inflection in their voice in the music. And that's a lot of the Celtic, why I love Celtic music so much. Again, all the instrumental melodies is you get these little inflections in the melodies that just reminds that me. of wilt. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It reminds yeah. you of the scenery and the food and everything. But... <laughs> Yeah, that experience with with Moody or Swain—that's what opened up the door out of college. That's when I started doing a lot of electric guitar and kind of country music with Dustin Bentall and Outlaw Social with Ferris Romero yeah. from the Romero's and Oliver Swain. We had a and Kendall Carson we had a great group called Outlaw Social so, that lasted. That for was a few such years. a great group. Yeah, it was really fun. And, and then after that was everyone sort of went their separate ways. And I met Pierre Schreier, who I play with a lot now. Around that time, I started to meet him, the fiddle player. But then I went off to playing with a lady named Toni Childs. I met her again through Daniel Lupp. So that's when she said, hey, do you want to go to Australia and tour (laughs) as my comeback tour? And I thought, oh, my gosh, like that's what an experience. So then I went off and did a few six or so tours in Australia with her, which was really cool to see in the whole country. And getting on like big festival stages and playing electric guitar and just with the energy of a full band, drums and keyboards. And she just gives her at the top of her lungs, you know, and it was after that. I met Elspeth, my wife from Australia, just soon when we were just about to finish with Tony. Yeah, it's another long story too, but we ended up (laughs) like, where are we going to live? You know, are we going to live in Australia or Canada? And we decided to try Australia for six months and we did. And that was nice. But then we, that's when around that time, Ruth Moody was calling me to play with her solo band, the Ruth Moody band. So I decided, let's, my wife said, you know, it makes sense. I love her music. Let's go back to Canada and we'll, you know, we'll live there for a while and you play with Ruth and sort of started the touring with Ruth and the Wailing Jennies as well it's so funny how that comes around right and um
0: adam it just the whole it's just amazing how i mean i know when you're telling it it's different than living it but it's just like one thing leads to another leads to another and like you say the the networks and and so many connections leading back to daniel it's just so it's like a it's like a big tapestry or something i don't know it is we actually
1: i you know i have to get you this picture adrian dolan did this thing where he created a flowchart of all the canadian musicians like the ones <laughs> who i've been talking about like oliver swain jeremy penner tanya elizabeth ruth moody daniel lapin he put little um, balls i guess with people's names in them and then he started drawing lines to everyone and putting the bands that they've been in <laughs> daniel was like a big globe of connection in that right and it was really funny he actually put the time in and made this little flow chart <laughs> just to oh, see all the brilliant. connections with canadian <laughs> yeah it was really really there's no one else that i could imagine doing that but adrian he's the guy for that I played with Ruth and the Jennys basically up until we had our baby and then COVID happened and then everything kind of changed from there. Right. Pierre moved out West. So then we started playing a lot together, recorded an album. And it, I think the one thing I, I wished I hadn't done in the last 22 years was not worry <laughs> about what's coming. <laughs> next. And I'm sure that's common for people, but my, I could have saved myself a lot of stress, just letting go and not worrying and trusting, you know what I mean? Because th- things always, and I don't know if it's because of the energy artists put out that is creative and, very malleable you know and, and ever-changing that it sort of sometimes life happens that way and just to sort of trust like you're writing a song that the melody's going to come is also trust that life will bring opportunities and doors and closed doors and open doors right and you don't have to yeah. necessarily be worrying the whole time <laughs> i think <laughs> if that's only yeah. if only oh god yeah another like i keep on mentioning daniel lapis's connection but i've had probably my most joyous amazing experiences playing with Daniel Lapp in my life like the most soulful deepest musical connections I would say with Daniel Lapp you know just incredible right like just being some of that because he he got me and Adrian to play with him when we were like 15 years old and we'd play gigs with him like he just he just always trusts kids he doesn't say well you're not ready you know he's like I'm gonna pull you up on stage with me and you're gonna play with me right (laughs) honestly and it's incredible like just I remember me and Adrian sitting there playing with him as a rhythm section when when we were 15 years old and and he's not looking down at us he's bringing us up right and it, and he still does and it's amazing. we have a trio with Adrian and Daniel we've been calling it North Star but we because we're so busy we probably played like three times a year in the last 10 years but it's a really <laughs> incredible trio and we actually have music recorded that we haven't released yet oh. and I think we're going to do it soon we've been actually talking the last few weeks about re- releasing it it's really amazing innovative music with Daniel doing his electric violin, Adrian on synths and I'm on electric guitars and it's really special, really cool music. So I really hope yeah. that we release that soon, but I wanted to add that because I realized I didn't speak much about playing with Daniel all these years and just all the amazing genres we've, we've gone through and how we're really entering this new musical phase with innovation, which is really, really cool. Just oh, kind of keep us
0: in the loop about when we that's going to be will. released. We definitely will. It's yeah. really
1: cool. It's really cool. But so that brings me to now because we've been talking the last few days about what are we going to do with this next few years so yeah being in australia has been an interesting time to like let everything go for a bit and what it is i'm working on i had a great gr- grandmother named frida my mom's side and there's a piece on my first album called frida's journey which was um it came when i was i was playing my guitar and i was feeling very melancholy very like sad and grieving and i was this melody came out and i didn't really know what it was all about until my wife again said it reminds me of frida like her struggle and i thought oh my god it's called frida's journey and my Great grandmother Frida, she was orphaned in in Russia or Ukraine, Russia area when she was about 12 years old, her in the pogroms time, because I come from a Jewish family and her brother was hung, her um, father was killed, her mother died, you know, she was basically orphaned. The long part of the story is that they had to sneak her into Poland and then they got her onto a boat to Canada by herself as a 14 year old. Yeah. And she was supposed to meet with some other siblings from another marriage who never actually met up with her, but she ended up in Nippon, Saskatchewan as a young girl. I think she was sewing for families, doing stuff. And long story short, she made an incredible life for herself. Out of all that struggle, she ended up working with the Cree and the Blackfoot. They'd bring her furs and she would tan them. And to love, like love my great grandmother. And she'd protect them, you know, they'd protect her and she'd cook them food and they would Hide their furs in her washing machine so they wouldn't get caught with some of their furs. And they would give her things for collateral and then they would always pay her back. It was an amazing relationship. And I realized I'm like, you know, the reason I'm sitting here playing guitar today is because of her courageous journey she took as a 14 year old girl by herself on a boat for like two weeks from Russia to Canada, making this life for herself, right? And we're all sort of a product of that. And so I started realizing how important, because I played that piece of music and people would come up and say, you know, I have a grandmother or a great grandmother who had the same, I didn't realize so many people had the same story. So my goal is I have an aunt named Connie Gitlin and she's was the concert clarinetist for um, the Winnipeg Symphony forever. So if she's played with me over the years, just doing klezmer music, she ended up playing Frida's Journey with me at a couple of shows. And I started having this idea. I'm like, wow, me and my aunt playing a song about our great grandmother, her grandmother, this whole family connection is so, it feels so deep and meaningful for me. Like, more than anything yeah Yeah. so then i started playing with pierre and i just started hearing more instruments i thought you know what and then pierre's partner mary played it on trumpet and i thought oh my god i think i want to do like an arrangement for like a chamber ensemble then my aunt said well if you can come up with 20 to 25 minutes of this you could be like a feature at say you know the winnipeg chamber ensemble or something like that you could be a guest composer so that started the journey about three years ago i'm like i need to write more on this frida's journey suite so here in australia i've been working it was my one of my biggest goals in the next I'm going to say three to five years is, oh God, that's too long. Let's say two to four years. Let's say six two months. years. We'll give you six, six months. months. No. Yeah, that'll help get some fire in my butt. Let's say six, <laughs> six months to two years is to have that finished. And my dream is to sit there and play with my aunt at the Winnipeg oh. Chamber Ensemble, where my great-grandmother lived for ages, and play that music with a story written behind it. Maybe do a documentary, do an EP recording of that. I think that's my next sort of step really comes to a matter of finding the time right now with a two-year-old and with the balance of life and touring and if I'm going to tour yeah. tour much. And yeah, so I'm, I'm working away at it. And I really hope to see it come to fruition sometime soon.
0: Adam, it's been so fantastic to well, get a chance to talk to you. Thank, thank you for you. doing this. Well, thanks for asking Gosh. me. <laughs> it was an honor <laughs> to looked- do the
1: music for your show as well.
0: It's so perfect. I can't tell oh. you. I'm so grateful. Awesome. Yeah. It's my conversation with Adam Dobres, who is a composer and a guitarist. And you can hear his music on his recording Kin. That's his latest Solar recording. And with Pierre Schreier, their latest was Mandorla. And as he was mentioning, they're they're working on another. And we'll wait to hear the one that's coming out, the, the trio work as well. It's been such fun hearing about all those groups that have ties to Daniel Lapp and ties to Victoria. Wonderful listening experience if you just go take your list and uh, go through them and and give a listen to groups that exist and some that have gone into abeyance in the meantime. Adam Dobre composed the music that opens and closes this podcast. I also asked him for something that was a bit softer for sometimes when a subject matter requires a bit of a breath afterwards And he created this one as well. I haven't had a chance to use it yet, but I will. Have a listen. from Adam Dobrese. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. Tell your friends, pass it around, and you can always be in touch by sending me an email, hello at cherylmckay.com. You can check out my website, too, where I have a bit of a blog, and you can sign up for my newsletter there as well. And that's simply cherylmckay.com. Take good care. Bye for now.